Okay, so this is uh, this year is about the Tfilis and the Kriya Satira on Rosh Hashanah, and we'll see how much we're able to get through tonight. And Amir Tashem next week, Wednesday, we will continue with this as well. And this is actually a fascinating topic. I, I've never actually worked on this, the connection between the Kriya Satira and how much it teaches us about how we are supposed to be davening on, on Rosh Hashanah. And uh, I find it, found it fascinating. There's, there's a wealth of insight in every aspect, and it teaches us about Malchias, Zechreinus, and Shifras, and both the Kriya Satira of the first day and the Kriya Satira of the second day, and the Haftarah of the first day and the Haftarah of the second day, all work together to teach us so many important and valuable lessons about it. So obviously we're not going to get to that much, but we'll see. We'll see what we can cover. The Kriya Satira of the first day of Rosh Hashanah is the story of how Sari Menu gave birth. It begins, Vahashem Pakad as Sara Kasher Omar. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Pakad as Sari. He remembered he remembered Sari Menu as he had said. And Hashem did for Sara as he had promised, as he had spoken. When did HaKadosh Baruch Hu both speak and it says it twice, Kasher Diber, Kasher Amra, when did he speak? So Rashi says one is by the Bris Ben and one is the other time. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu had given various promises to Abraham Avinu and Sara Imenu that they were going to have children. And this, when Sara Imenu gave birth, when he, she became pregnant and then she uh, eventually gave birth, was when this took place. When did, when did um, Sari Menu actually give birth? That was actually Pesach time. But Hashem Pakad Sara, when she conceived, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu actively remembered her, when her, her situation changed, when was that? That was on Rosh Hashanah. And that's the simple understanding why we lame this, this parasha of Hashem Pakad Sara is because Chazal say, Rosh Hashanah Nifkid It was on Rosh Hashanah that HaKadosh Baruch Hu changed his approach to Sari Menu, And that was when she was remembered, and that was when she was blessed with the Hirai, and she was blessed with the, with the con- conception of Yitzchak Avinu. And that's why we lane it as well. But, as we'll see, as I was saying, the truth is, is that there are so many parts and and lessons in this Kriya Satira that really teaches about us, about each aspect of the davening Rosh Hashanah. It teaches us about Malchias, it teaches us about Zechreinus, and it teaches us about Shifras as well. So let's begin. I'm going to give you a quick overview of the story, and then we'll go to the lesson. So the story itself, it begins with Hashem Pakad Asaro, but it's actually following another story. It is preceded by a different story. And that was the story that Sarimenu was kidnapped by Avimelech, who was the Melech of Plishtim. So Sarimenu was kidnapped by Avimelech, Melech, Melech of Plishtim, Melech Grar, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu struck Avimelech and his whole household, and they were punished. And their punishment was, Ki Otzar, Otzar Hashem, Bi'ad Kal Racham, HaKadosh Baruch Hu made them uh, a total stoppage of every, it's like a, a plague of constipation of sorts, but it was constant, every single 
part of their body that is meant to secrete or to give out or to produce anything was stopped. So they were effectively uh, the ultimate akara, so to speak. They were barren, they couldn't produce anything. They were a, a semblance of what a woman who is an akara is, that she can't produce children, they couldn't produce anything. And that was their punishment. The whole household suffered from that. And until um, Avram Avinu davened for them and they got healed, they weren't healed. And immediately after that, this parasha begins, that Hashem pocket as Sarah. Uh, Kaddish Baruch remembered Sarah Yemenu, and she had Yitzchak, and she called him Yitzchak, she gave him the name Yitzchak, and they had a big feast when they had the bris mila for Yitzchak, and then they had B'yav Higomel as Yitzchak, Yitzchak stopped nursing, and then it tells, tells the story of how Yishmael and Yitzchak were playing, and Sarah Yemenu saw that Yishmael was becoming a very negative influence on Yitzchak, and she told the Ramavinu, you have to send him out, you have to send him away, together with his mother. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu agreed with Sari Menu, and Avraham Avinu sent away Hagar out into the Midbar together with Yishmael, who was sick at that point. And then they were stuck in the Midbar, and he was dying. And that was the point when a Malach came to Hagar, and a nace happened, and a well opened up. She saw a well, she found a well, which then revived Yishmael, and she went to live somewhere else. And the last part of the Pasha that we lay on the first day of Rosh Hashanah is how Avraham made a pact with the with with um, Avimelech once again and Fichal Saratzvai, and they made a pact between them that Avram is not going to harm them. They're not going to harm Avram Avinu, and that pact actually lasted for hundreds of years until David Hamelach became king of Yerushalayim. So that's the whole synopsis of the story that we lay on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, Hashem Pachad Asara. So now let's begin with the very first Rashi of Hashem Pachad Asara and what it teaches us about Tfilis Malchias. So the very first Rashi of Hashem Pachad Asara says, why is it that this parasha of Hashem Pachad Asara, that Hashem granted Sarah a, con- to con- a conception, why does it follow immediately after the story of Abimelech trying to kidnap her and him and his whole household getting struck by this plague and Avram Avinu davening for them, and they they getting healed. So Rashi says, do you know why it follows immediately afterwards? The reason is a very well-known Maimur Chazal. Anybody who davens to Baruch and asks for mercy for the sake of his friend, while he himself needs the same thing, you get answered first. So if a person davens for someone else, and here Avram Avinu davened for Avimelech and his whole household that they should be healed of this ailment which was very similar to the ailment of an akara, very similar to the ailment that prevented a, prevents a person from having a child. They were struck in, in a much greater degree. He damned for them, they should be healed. And through damning for them, he was mevakesh rachmem al chaveroi, hunenetchila Hashem pakadasar. That's the connection. Now what is the essence of this Chazal? Uh, we might be familiar that this has become very popular recently. There's a song and uh, there's websites that have been organized that will pair you up with someone else that's going through the same thing that you're going through and that person will be daven for you and you'll daven for them and so on and so forth. So the, the concept has kind of taken off. But what is the real concept over here? What does Chazal really mean? Why would someone daven for someone else, if they themselves need that thing. Why would you do that? Why should you do that? What is the meaning of this? 
So in the case of Avram Avinu, when he davened for Avimelech, HaKadosh Baruch Hu actually told him to daven for Avimelech. So what happened was that Avimelech was granted a dream vision where he was visited by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who told him what's going on, why he's getting sick, and who Sar really is. And he told Avimelech that go to Avram Avinu, he's a Navi, and he's going to daven for you, and that's when you're going to get healed. So Avram Avinu davening for Avimelech is at the bequest of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and this obviously would create a tremendous Kiddush Shem Shemayim. Avram Avinu davening demonstrates that a tzaddik, someone who follows in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who, who loves HaKadosh Baruch Hu, cares about HaKadosh Baruch Hu, HaKadosh Baruch Hu then listens to him, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu answers his tefillahs, and he calls the shots, whatever he says is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu does, and this created a tremendous Kiddush Shem Shemayim. And that's why Avram Avinu davened for Avimelech to create that tremendous Kiddush Hashem. And the importance of it is that, that this is the essence of being Mavakash Racham and Bad Chaveri, which means when you, a person is davening, he's not davening for himself, as Avram Avinu didn't daven for himself, because Avram Avinu only davened for Kvayt Shemayim. Now, Avram Avinu needed the same thing, which means he needed Yitzchak. Understand, he didn't need the same thing that Avimelech needed. He needed the same thing he was dominating for, which means he needed Kvayt Shemayim. He would wanted Yitzchak. He wanted to have Yitzchak Avinu. He didn't want to have Yitzchak for any personal reason at all. He wanted to have Yitzchak Avinu for one reason only, so that he can establish a nation of Avdeh Hashem. He can establish a nation of people who recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu and bring more Kiddush Shemayim to the world. So for him, there really was no difference between davening for Avimelech and davening for his own need. And he demonstrated that when he davened for Avimelech, where in essence is something that he really wanted, but there was no difference to him because what he really wanted was Kvayt Shemayim. That was the only thing he really wanted. So if HaKadosh Baruch Hu's will was that he should daven for Avimelech and that would create Kiddush Shemayim, that here at Tzadik is Gezer, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Mekayim, and he's making a, a tremendous open display of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's dominion on the world, that was what, a, what that's what Avraham Avinu wanted. And the power of that kind of tefillah, that kind of selfless tefillah, that kind of dedication to Kvayt Shemayim, the power of it is, is it brings tremendous bracha to the world, so much so that what you need doesn't even require a tefillah anymore. Hunen HaTchila doesn't even require you to daven for it. If you demonstrate how committed you are to Kavayt Shemayim, to, to making a Kaddish Baruch Hu's presence recognized in this world, it doesn't require you to daven for your own needs. The Svas Emes writes, and this is just a fascinating twist on things, he writes that this is really the essence of Malchias on Rosh Hashanah. He says, when we're davening, we're davening that a Kaddish Baruch Hu's Malchus Shemayim, his presence should be revealed on all the nations of the world, everybody else. He says we're davening for them, essentially. We're davening that they should be zeicha to kavayit shemayim. We're being mispal ba'ad chaver, but on a greater level, we're being mispal ba'ad chaver because we're not davening for ourselves. We're davening that a kaddish baruch hu's malchus shemayim should be nizgala ba'olam, and people should recognize a kaddish baruch hu and realize what the point of the world is, and realize what this who created the world and what we live for, and we should fear a kaddish baruch hu and be in awe of a kaddish baruch hu. And that's all selfless tefillah. It's all selfless in this way, that we're not davening for our own needs, we're davening for the only thing that a person davens for, which is Kvayt Shemayim. But the effect of that, 
is that Hunan Natchilos, the the Sfasama says, that we're granted the blessing of Malchias. We're grant, we're granted the Yerushimayim. We're granted the clarity of vision that we want so much on Rosh Hashanah to understand that Akadish Baruch Hu is Malach Malchayim Lachim, Akadish Baruch Hu rules the world. So the very first get go of Hashem Pakar Es Sara, which is where it is situated in the Torah. What caused the Hashem Pakat Esara? What brought about her salvation? What brought about her redemption? What brought about that a Baruch should remember her? Was the essence of Tfilos Malchis. And it's something we always struggle for, struggle with, when we daven Malchis, is because we essentially want to daven for ourselves in Rosh Hashanah. And it's being demonstrated in this parasha is that that is the most effective way to daven for yourself. It's the daven for Kfayt Shemayim. That's how Avram Avinu, after a hundred years of waiting for a child, sorry Amenu, after 90 years of waiting for a child, the catalyst that created Hashem Pokad was not davening for yourself. Davening selflessly. Davening for Kfayt Shemayim. I spoke just recently about the Haftarah, which is the Tefillah's Chana. And there this point is emphasized as, as well. And it's also amazing. I'll say it's quicker now, but Rav Chaim Velazhner has in Nefesh HaChaim a big arichus on this point, and it's really beautiful and powerful, and it's worthwhile learning inside. It's in Shar Beis, Parakid Aleph, and Parakid Beis, and it's coming to explain the Pasuk that we have in the Haftarah of Hi Moras Nefesh Chana, it was on Rosh Hashanah, and she was very bitter about the fact that she was barren, and she didn't have a child, and Penina had just tortured her, made it so much more difficult for her. But to spell Al Hashem, and she davened on Hashem, not El Hashem, to Hashem. But to spell Al Hashem, she davened about Hashem. And she cried. And Rechaim Velazhner in Nefesh Chaim goes by Rechus explaining that that is the only way to daven. If you want to change your situation, the only way to 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 address the change of our situation, which Hakadosh Baruch Hu is the one who who put us in that situation. And Kaddish Baruch Hu wants us to be in that situation, but he says that Kaddish Baruch Hu feels the pain that we, pain, we feel. Whatever we're suffering, Kaddish Baruch Hu is suffering. Whatever difficulty a Jew is going, for, going through creates that much chil Hashem. It creates that much difficulty of perception in the world of Kaddish Baruch Hu's presence. Right? Why am I suffering? Why am I going through it? Chana was a tzedekis. Sorry, Amen, it was a tzedekis. Why was she suffering so much? Why did she have to wait so long for a child? And if the person who's davening's perception is HaKadosh Baruch Hu is suffering because of me, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is suffering with me, he's suffering with my pain, through my pain, and as a result of my pain, and you direct your tefillah selflessly in that direction, that's exactly what Chana did with the, the most beautiful tefillah, the most heartfelt prayers that there could possibly be for the most deepest desire that she had, yet her tefillah was Al Hashem. She davened about Hashem. She davened about Hashem's pain and Hashem's suffering. And that's what caused her tefillahs to get answered. And that's the root of how we need to approach Malchus, which is demonstrated in this, in both the Haftarah and the Parsha. There's a beautiful story told by Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein Shlita 
in Sefer Alein Lushabeach. And the story was told to him by Rav Asher Zev Luria, who is the, a principal of a school, uh, elementary school called Ayal uh, Taira, and it's in Ramat Al Hanan. It's a neighborhood, I believe, around um, Nebrak. So this happened in Tafshin Samovav a little while ago, 14 years ago. And he, a uh, 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 parents came, they wanted to enroll their son in school for the first time. This, their son was four years old or three years old, and they were going to en- en- enroll him in school, whatever age they begin over there. So they had a interview, as is typical, and they went through the standard procedure, but he could see throughout the whole process, this Rev. Luria, he could see that the mother was very emotional, and the father was miragesh. They were it's like very fired up about something, and he didn't know what it was. He understood something must be going on here. He just didn't know what. So after they went through the process, they filled out all the forms, they answered all the questions, and they were, he was ready to accept this, their child as, into his school. They went into his office, and all of a sudden the mother burst out in tears. And she couldn't be calmed out. She was crying and crying. She couldn't stop. And her husband also was wiping tears away from his eyes. And he looks at Rav Luria, and he says, Don't you recognize us? So Rav Luria said that, unfortunately, he had to admit that he didn't. So they, they, they reminded him. And they said, We met you four years ago. Four year, years ago, we were childless. And we were childless for many, many years. And we had gone to Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein, and, uh, you know, who was Rav in Nebrak and, and, and Rav Yashif's son-in-law, and a big Rav and a big Paisik and a big Tzadik, and we asked him, what should we do? What can we do to have a schus to have children? And he gave us an Eitzah. He gave us a suggestion, which is given by the Chafetz Chaim himself. Chafetz Chaim gives a suggestion of what a person should do if he wants to be to have children. You know what the Chafetz Chaim says? He says, go to a school. Go to an elementary school and find a child. Ideally, he says, find like a yasum, a child that's an orphan that can't afford to pay. Scharlimud can't afford to pay for his tuition, can't afford to pay the school to, to, to be taught and take on the responsibility of paying for his education, paying for his Torah education. And the Chavot Chaim says that in the schus that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees that you are trying to educate one of his children, that you're selflessly going to do for another, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu will, in that schuz, give you your own child to educate as well. So they did. When they said, we came to you four years ago, and we took on the full expense of paying for the tuition of a child who was a yasim and was an orphan and he didn't have any, any, any means of paying tuition, and we paid for a full year. And within that year, I conceived. And this is the child that was born right then. And we don't live in this neighborhood. We live really somewhere else, but we wanted so much that our child should go to this school that was the catalyst for us being Zaycha to this Yeshua. So, so much so, we see in the, haft, in, in the parasha, in the Haftarah, and it's really what the Tfilis of Rosh Hashanah are all about. The more selfless we are, the more we're here for HaKadosh Baruch Hu's world, the more we can dedicate our tefillahs to the greater picture, the, more, the greater likelihood that our tefillahs will accomplish what they're meant to accomplish. And the, the truth is that 
this year so much more so, it should be easier for us. Who of us don't, doesn't see this year that there's a big picture? It's not just us, and it's not small. The whole of Klal Yisrael needs a very big Yeshua right now. The whole world needs a big Yeshua. And we understand we can't just daven for ourselves. It's not even going to help to just daven for ourselves at this point. <laughs> right? We, t- we should daven for ourselves. Obviously, we do want to be saved. And, and, and it's, we can't expect of ourselves that we can totally become selfless like Avram Avinu, like Sari Imenu, like Chana. That's not, no one expects that. But it is a focus. And it is a, a point to direct our hearts and our tefillahs and our, and our, and our thoughts on Rosh Hashanah that there's a bigger picture here. There's Kuwait Shemayim and there's the, man, the tremendous Kiddush Hashem of HaKadosh Baruch Hu saving the world and demonstrating His dominion over the world that happened throughout this year. And that's what we should be davening for. And that's what we should direct our tefillahs. And there's a fascinating additional point made in this Kriya Satera as well about that aspect of Klai Yisrael. And these, all these points are actually demonstrated in the Psukim of Malchias that we say as well. But first let me tell you how it's another point that we see in this Haftar as, and in this Kriya Satera as well. Towards the end of the Kriya Satera, when Abraham Avinu sends out Yishmael and Hagar, and Yishmael is sick, and Hagar despairs. And she's ready to give up. She goes away because she doesn't want to see Al-Arab and She didn't want to see the child die. So she goes a distance away. The Pasuk even describes how far she went. And she raises up her voice and she cries, which means she's davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But the Pasuk says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu listened to the voice of Yishmael himself davening. Why? So Rashi says, the tefillah of the chayla, the tefillah of the person who himself is sick, is more potent, is more powerful than other people davening for him, and it's more likely to be accepted. So he listened to Yishmael davening rather than listen to Hagar davening for Yishmael. So the Chassam Seifer says, one second, that kind of contradicts what we said in the beginning of the parasha. In the beginning of the parasha we said that the big thing is to daven for someone else. And that's more, that'll be Neskabal even before that other person gets helped. And over here we're saying that Hashem listened to Yishmael who was davening for himself rather than listen to Hagar who was davening for him. And he asks additionally the Chassam Seifer, he says that... Um, he says we find in the Gemara that in Klal Yisrael it seems to be the opposite, that it's more likely for a chayla, for a sick person to be healed if other people daven for him. He quotes a Gemara. When a person is locked up, you can't unlock yourself, you can't get out of the prison, you get to need someone else to unlock you, you need someone else to set you free. And the Gemara uses that example to demonstrate that when someone else davens that you should get better, you're much more likely to get healed than if you daven for yourself. So what's going on here with Yishmael? So he says a beautiful thing, such a powerful thing. He says, the difference is, are we talking about Kal Yisrael? Are we talking about Avram Avinu? Or are we talking about Yishmael and Hagar? 
He says, Klal Yisrael, we are Margish, Ke'ish Echad Belev Echad. We're all part of the same body. We're all part of the same unit. We're all brothers. We're all sisters. And if one part is sick, we all feel it. And he said, obviously when someone is sick, they don't have a clear head. They don't have their full faculties, their full capacities. They can't daven the way a person is supposed to daven. They don't have the strength to daven the way a person is supposed to daven. And Klal Yisrael, one of, every other person feels that person's pain, feels that person's sickness. I mean, look what we experienced this year, how people all came together, all community came together, every person daven, people, I'm meeting people all over the place, wherever I go, you know, saying how they daven for me and how happy they were, they were to hear that I got better. And that's how Kali Yisrael davens. I couldn't daven for myself the way other people could daven for me. And that's the kind of tefillah that Hunan Atchilah. That's what the Mavakish Rachman Ba'ad Chaveri Hunan Atchilah, because they're davening with the full force of as if it's happening to them. But he says in the Umas Ha'olam, in the nations of the world, they don't feel like that. So when someone else davens for you, they don't really put their heart and soul into it. They don't put their full energy into it. They don't put their everything they've got. So then the Tfilas HaChayla for himself is actually the best bet that he has. The Chayla davening for himself, he's going to at least mean it. He's going to at least tell, have the full you know, fire and, 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 and importance and severity will be in his Tfilah and he'll give it everything he got. But in Klal Yisrael he says, on the contrary, everybody gives it everything they got. And again, that's so much of what's in Malchus. And it's emphasized in the Pasuk, Psukim of Malchus. We talk about, obviously, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's greatness. And we also talk about how Kal Yisrael has to come together. Yachad Shifte Yisrael. We, we demonstrate that, uh, that that's all part of what Malchus is about. Kal Yisrael are selfless people. We're, it's not about us. It's not about ourselves. Our tefillahs are not for us and not only for ourselves. We feel everybody's pain equally. We feel HaKadosh Baruch Hu's pain. And that's what we're davening for. That's where we direct our tefillahs. And that's what gives Malchus the power that it has. That's why it's such a powerful form of, of tefillah. That's one beautiful clarity that this Kriya Satari gives us about how to approach the upcoming tefillahs of Musaf that follow this this uh, this Kriya Satari and this Haftarah. The next Nakuda, which we'll talk about tonight, <clears throat> is what this Kriya Satari teaches us about Zechreinus. Zechreinus is a fascinating thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we want him to remember. And when we say the bracha of Zechreinus, we talk about how HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembers every person's actions. He talk, we, we talk, we discuss how he reviews and he figures out the repercussions of every person's actions, what they cause, what they will cause, what they're causing now, how many people were affected. Everything. Nothing is hidden. And we want to to remember. And we actually ask him to remember. What does this mean? I'm learning now Sugi in the Gemara, which discusses how the din on Rosh Hashanah proceeds. The very famous Gemara, everybody is familiar with it. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has three books. There's the book of Tzadikim, there's the book of Rishayim, and there's the book of Beninim. And uh, we want to be written in the book of Tzadikim, and we don't want to be written in the book of Rishayim, and most likely we'll be written in the book of Beninim. And then we have Tilyam Kippur to do tshuva, and then Be'ez Hashem, we should all have Ksiva and Achasim Taiva on Yom Kippur. 
Why does this happen once a year? Why does it need to happen once a year? Can a Kaddish Baruch Hu judge us constantly? As things evolve, as our deeds evolve, as life changes around us, things are constantly changing. Why are we locked down to this one day a year that defines what's going to happen the rest of the year? Why, why does that happen? Now, there is actually opinions in the Gemara that a Kaddish Baruch Hu is done a person every day. A Kaddish Baruch Hu judges a person daily. There's another opinion in the Gemara that a Kaddish Baruch Hu judges us every moment. And that makes a lot of sense. That is the way it should work. I mean, Hashem doesn't have to carve out time in His schedule to, you know, be able to go through the books, to make an accounting. He, he does it in a moment, <laughs> in a non-human moment. And that's how long it takes in Rosh Hashanah too. So he can do that every day, and he can do that every minute, and he can judge us every second. So what do we need Rosh Hashanah for? And what Rosh Hashanah... Now, the truth is, I'll say, I don't know that I'm qualified to answer that question. I know that I'm not qualified to answer that question. Let me rephrase that. Um, and there's obviously a tremendous amount of said that surrounds and shrouds the way, the methods of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's judgment and there's so much that we don't understand and so much that perhaps no one understands. Nevertheless, there are simple concepts that are true, which I think we can talk about regardless. Rosh Hashanah is his man Pekida. Pekida doesn't mean remembering as much as it means when we're given responsibility, when we're entrusted. When a, we're paiket, someone means we give him a tafkid. We give him a command. We give him a mission. Because Baruch Hu is paiket kalchai, means he gives each living being their mission. But Hashem pokat as Sarah means HaKadosh Baruch Hu redefines Sarah's mission. For 90 years she had one mission, and that mission was to be in Akara. And to daven. And to not give up hope. And now she got a new mission. And her new mission was to have Yitzchak. Hashem pokat as Sarah. And for in order for that to happen, that's a big event. It doesn't happen on its own. That reevaluation, where Akash Baruch Hu says, now your situation changes, and the, what I've set you up originally for, the mission you were initially entrusted to do, will change. And your whole life will change as a result of it. You need a very big schus for that to happen. HaKadosh Baruch Hu puts you on a certain path, that's where you are. And in order for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to change that, it's the equivalent of asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu to make a shirun teva, to make that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should make a nace, a miracle. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu has everything worked out in a very specific way. So it's a tremendous blessing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us Rosh Hashanah, which means He gives us once a year where He promises us that every year I'm going to review your situation and give you the ability to change it, which is tremendous. He lets us, so to speak, create a new job for ourselves. We're working in one job, and we want a different one. We don't want to be childless. We don't want to suffer with sickness. We don't want to suffer with poverty or whatever else, whatever other test HaKadosh Baruch Hu entrusted us with. Whatever other mission HaKadosh Baruch Hu put us in. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, no problem. I'll give you once a year when we can redefine that. 
And that's Rosh Hashanah. Now that comes at a cost. Because if you want to be redefined, you need to merit that. And that requires a review of who you are, what you're doing, and what your goals are, what your she'ifas are, what you're looking forward to. And that's the judgment of Rosh Hashanah. But it's our greatest blessing because it gives us a chance. It gives us a chance to change some things which otherwise would not change. It took 90 years for Sarah's situation to change. And only after Hashem pokad Hashem diber, that's when it changed. It's a tremendous thing, a pekida. It's a shinoya teva. Kaddish Baruch is changing the world for that. And that's the blessing that Kaddish Baruch grants us on Rosh Hashanah. And that's what's being demonstrated here. Now, the Chassam Sefer explains this as well. And it, it's, it's just a beautiful explanation. He says, Now, Omar and Diber. Omar and Diber. Amira, Dibur. They kind of mean the same thing. Amira means to say, and Dibur means to say. But we're familiar with other places in, in uh, Chumash, where Rashi explains to us that Amira is always Rachamim. Amira is the language used when you speak softly, you speak gently. It demonstrates a midah of Rachmanis, a midah of mercy, a midah of, of kindness. But Diber is used generally for harsher speech, stronger speech. Dibur is kashe, is difficult, it can be hard, it can be confrontational. That's where the, the, the word Dibur is used. So he says, Hashem pokad la Sara kasha Omar. Hashem remembered Sara as he had spoken Omar mercy, meaning HaKadosh Baruch Hu had a plan for Sara all along. And his plan was mercy, and his plan was chesed, and his plan was rachamim, and everything that was going to happen to Sara Imenu was only for her benefit. And he explains, 90 years had to pass because of Ramavinu had to have Yishmael first, otherwise Sara would have been the one to have Yishmael. That had to happen. She had to bring Hagar in, and then send Hagar out. Avram Avinu had to have the mitzvah of bris milah, and that could only happen when he was 99. And all that had to proceed in order that she should be able to have the one child that she wanted to have, which was Yitzchak Avinu, who was Nailad B'Kedusha, Nailad B'Tahara, the true father of Klal Yisrael. And that is all that Sarah Emenu wanted. And in order for that to happen, a lot had to happen in the middle, and unfortunately, it would come with a lot of suffering. So there was a Midas din that had to take place to enable the Rachamim, to enable the good to come to, come to fruition. So Hashem Pakad Sarah Kasha Amra HaKadosh Baruch Hu finally remembered Sarah as he had been mercifully said years earlier, but Vayas Hashem L'Sarah Kasha Dibar, he had to do to Sarah as he had spoken harshly. There was a lot of difficulty that had to be done in order to enable this Pekida, in order to enable this Rachamim to happen. HaKadosh Baruch Hu finally came through with the Racham and with the mercy, after he had done all the difficulty that was had to happen first to enable that tremendous taiva, the tremendous br- blessing and bracha, Sara Yemenu's lifelong dream coming to reality with her giving birth to Yitzhak. And this is meant to give us a, just a beginning of an idea of what Zechreinus is about. When we're davening for Zechreinus, we're davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for that review. We're davening to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for the judgment. We're bringing the judgment upon ourselves so that we can enable the overwhelming Midah of Rachmanis to come to its fruition. We don't know what it requires. All the things that might be in the way for us to get that 
tremendous blessing. But one thing we do know is that requires a pikita. It requires that review. It requires a Kaddish Baruch reestablishing who we are, what we are, what our mission in the world is, rearranging the world and reorganizing all the events in the world to make that possible. And that can only happen with the Rosh Hashanah. It wouldn't happen otherwise. There would be no zchus that would make it happen. There would be nothing that would make that, that would cause that. No catalyst. It needs a Rosh Hashanah, and that's why it's such a tremendous bracha that HaKadosh Baruch gives us Rosh Hashanah and grants us that, that power to redefine ourselves. So we'll stop here for now with these two points, how the parasha teaches us Malchus and how the parasha teaches us Zechreinus and Amir Hashem, part two, Next week we'll continue discussing Shifris, what this parasha teaches us about Shifris and how Shifris in Shemana Esrei, how it brings together Malchus and Zechreinus. And it's also truly amazing. Maybe if we'll have time next week, which I doubt, we'll maybe talk a little bit about the, what we land on the second day of Rosh Hashanah, the Akedah, which is also tremendous and has tremendous insight on, on the Tfilas of Rosh Hashanah. But what we learned today is number one, the tefillah of Malchus is a tefillah for Malchus Shemaim, it's a tefillah for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's a tefillah because we're feeling the pain of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're missing that Kuwait Shemaim, we're missing that Kiddush Shem Shemaim that could be in the world, and that's the most powerful and effective tefillah that there is in the world. It, it, it creates a situation where you do not have to daven for yourself at all. It brings the bracha upon us without anything else ne- necessary. But it requires that selflessness, that feeling for others, and the parasha demonstrates that Jews have that for each other naturally. So much so that it's actually better for you to daven for another yid than that other yid davening for himself. But by Yuma Salem it's not like that, and that's why Yishmael had to daven for himself. And that's the power of Hunen And we also learn the beginning, some touch of a, a feel of the concept of Zechreinus, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us the bracha of reevaluating us, redefining us, giving us a chance to establish a new mission so that our situation in our lives could change. And we, this way, it's a, a, the, the amazing combination that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has of Chesed and Rachamim, where in order to enable Chesed, it requires Din. In order to make the Omar, you need the Diber. And on Rosh Hashanah, we have the ability to make that happen through a paka, through a zechira, and that's why we daven and we bring that din upon ourselves, which obviously is a big risk, but it's a worthwhile risk, so that we can become greater, we can grow, and we can become closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, Mirz Hashem, we will continue this next week, and have a wonderful night, and a good Ben Shiar.